Welcome to the Blockade Runner, episode 10. This is John, and with me tonight is Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Hello. Hey, and we are here to catch up on what's been going on with Star Wars um, recently. We have not uh, put out an episode in a couple weeks. Uh, actually, the most recent one was uh, from the archives, and it was um, looking back at uh, at um, the Revenge of the Sith uh, adaptation video game so that was um, put up in the feed most recently but before that it's been uh, a few weeks since we've done a new episode and so uh, we're going to catch up on you know discussing some of the the most recent developments in the Star Wars universe uh, as it were and the haps, the haps. yeah exactly <laughs> mm, big time um <laughs> and uh, what do you think they call the haps in the Star Wars like in what's the in-universe name for that you oh, know geez, the because like the shower is the refresher yeah and the uh, uh famously coffee is referred to as calf yeah so maybe haps happy things happy things <laughs> <laughs> i like that that could be a name, that could be the name of a new segment here on the blockade runner <laughs> done <laughs> happy things uh hashtag that one um, yeah, yeah. so no, but, um, we, we have some stories that, um, I just want to talk about cause they're interesting and I think they're, they're worth, um, bringing up, but they're probably not things that we, we need to talk about in detail, but then there are, there are a few actually really interesting and compelling and, uh, uh worthy of digging into in greater depth stories that we're going to talk about after that. So let's, um, let's start out with some of these, these quicker stories. And uh, and go from there. So the first one uh, is one that I think is near and dear to your heart, Ryan, and that mm-hmm. is uh, the story about the Alamo Draft House um, kind of doing a tour or a, a release the summer of the original trilogy um, in different parts of the country, but not my part of the country. Yes. Um, yeah. All day. Um trilogy showing with um probably some probably some special features in there but uh it has not been confirmed for my alamo location yet okay yeah and and i'm a little confused on on what's going on with this if um if they are going to add more dates or if they are not going to um i see a lot of people talk about it and suggesting that there are more dates forthcoming um but I, I don't know for sure if that's the case or not. Um, and the thing about it, too, is that uh, these are not um, at actual Alamo Drafthouse theaters, it looks like. Um, it, it looks like they're actually, I guess in, in a lot of places anyways, like renting out um, other theaters. Um, so they're doing... Um, at uh like for instance in in boston it's at the boston opera house and in uh in um let's see in austin it's at a place called the long center for the performing arts so i guess that's probably so that they can have a bigger uh a bigger room i'm not sure i don't have the the experience with the draft house theaters that you do but yeah, I mean, I was uh, we were we were just at Alamo uh, two days ago mm-hmm. watching Captain America: Civil War, um, which was a fantastic movie and a fantastic showing there. Um, but when I go to the uh, Alamo Denver site for um, these Star Wars, there's uh, there's nothing there. Um, 
for Denver? Yeah, I'm. Well, because I'm I'm looking, and it actually the Denver showing is not at our Littleton Theater. It's at the Paramount Theater, which I don't know where that's at but uh tickets aren't on sale yet but it's saturday august 13th for me um definitely going to uh to try to get tickets for sure wherever this theater is but uh it's not at our actual alamo theater that's interesting yeah and uh that your theater specifically in in denver the the date was not announced yet and uh the uh, the theater was not announced yet when this uh, when this announcement initially went out, but now mm-hmm. now it has been. Um, the story that I read um, before said that it was going to be taking place in over twenty cities, and I think there's like something like fifteen listed now. So my fingers are crossed that they're gonna they're gonna announce something a little closer to me. I'm in Chicago or near Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, and there's nothing like there's nothing within probably six to eight hours of here which seems like a very odd um omission you know to like yeah it's it feels like it's like mostly texas and california yeah yeah but even like there's you know there's others like there's one i don't know there's there's one in florida there's a couple in new york or there's one in new york Mm -hmm. i guess i should say one in philadelphia so they do like it is covering most of the country but then kind of the, the center of the country is like the closest one to me, it looks like is Kansas city, Missouri, I think, yeah. or maybe Louisville, Kentucky. Um, but either way, not close. So I'm hoping that they'll announce one, you know, nearby, um, if they are still announcing those, but it just seems strange. Like one would think that, cause this looks like a pretty big production, you know, and one, mm-hmm. one would think that they could probably have, uh, something hammered down here by now if they're going to do it in Chicago. So, and it seems like why jump the gun and release, uh, you know, list all these cities and then not have, uh, not have all of them listed. So I'm not sure if there's going to be more put up or if there won't be, but, um, or if you're going to have to get a plane ticket to to Denver. Denver. Yeah. I mean, on August 13th, that is not the worst idea. That would be, uh, be a lot of fun, especially because you talk about these Alamo shows and how, just for you know standard movie um, showings, they they really pull out all the stops and they have you know um, exclusive kind of merchandise that you can get. They mm-hmm. have really cool um, kind of shows before the movies start and things like that. Um, you told me once there was a band that played before a movie started. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, like. I- just uh, a couple a couple examples if you're uh, if you're not familiar with the Alamo way of doing things um, for one um, seeing movies at Alamo is fantastic because they have a super like draconian uh, no talking no texting policy mm-hmm. and um, they they will uh, they will kick people out if they are talking um, it's that's made very very clear um throughout so like you can rest assured that if you go to a movie at alamo you're going to get like a really pure theater experience um also they uh the the time with the band was i saw um the uh 70s japanese horror movie one of my favorite movies of all time haosu um and before the before the showing of the film, um, 
yeah, there was a there was a a band that played right in front of the screen. They had their amp set up and everything, um, and that was really cool. But um, more more recently, like like I said before, like we saw um, Captain America: Civil War on Thursday night, and um, they had they had exclusive merchandise um, the, with uh, Mondo, um, the like art company. Posters, they do, yeah. Like, yeah lots of prints and stuff um they also do like these alamo exclusive pint glasses so um we got uh we got a set of pint glasses for the force awakens um we got the pint glasses for batman versus superman and uh we just got the civil war set as well and also before the movies they always have like the the pre-show um you always want to get there like half an hour before when you see movies at the alamo because they have these pre-shows of just like really cool like um you know rare and weird um clips that are related um to whatever you're seeing um for example, when I saw um, when we saw uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane, um, there was the um, parts of like J.J. Abrams' TED Talk, and uh, kind of mixed in with that were uh, was the music video for Tiffany's "I Think We're Alone Now." Um, <laughs> so it was it was a pretty incredible pre-show experience there, and like for like. Um, you know star wars and like these marvel and superhero movies and stuff there's like lots of like toy commercials and from like the 70s and stuff and um and also like uh foreign like ripoffs and stuff and just like weird stuff that you would like never really like look for on your own like um on like youtube or whatever but when you're kind of seeing it in this context um it's it's pretty fantastic so i mean at the end of the day like alamo screenings are like the best movie going experience you can possibly get so it's very exciting that they are sponsoring even though it's not really at their theaters Mm -hmm. um this all-day marathon of the original trilogy yeah yeah absolutely um one of the things i i think i mentioned it on the show too but one of the things i really wanted to do this summer was go see the force awakens on a drive-in movie theater um and i thought that'd be really cool and there's some good ones near me but uh unfortunately with the force awakens coming out in december I thought they might, you know, kind of opening weekend or the first few weeks of the summer, you know, drive-in movie season, I thought they might show The Force Awakens, but um, it is playing in some drive-in theaters in, in, in the U.S., but um, none that uh, are near me, as far as I can tell, so. Um, but yeah, I, I just like the idea of, of going to see a movie and having it be an event and having it be kind of like mm-hmm. a fun, special thing, and, um, you know, I've heard some people say like, well, I don't need to go see these movies again on, you know, I've seen them so many times and even saw them in the theater a bunch of times when they were released in the late nineties and things like that. But to me, I think it would be, it, it'd be a lot of fun to, to do it this way. And, you know, a lot of people went to that marathon, um, before the force awakens. And I think, I don't know what that was like exactly the, the showings of those movies and stuff, but, um, this seems like it, it, it would be, um, a little more special than that. And also, 
going to see three movies in one day is probably about the most I could handle. So <laughs> this is a little more appealing <laughs> to me than like a six movie marathon too. So I don't know. My fingers are definitely crossed that it will, it will, um, they'll announce a date, um, near here, but I, I don't know. I'm kind of thinking it won't happen at this point, but if you do live near one, uh, definitely it's going to be something really cool. And I'm, I'm excited, uh, if nothing else to hear, to hear about everybody else's experience going to see this and, and what it's like and, and how, uh, how Alamo, um, you know, cooks up some, some interesting and fun surprises for the, for the movies. So, um, did you get a chance, Ryan, to look at this LA times, um, interview or, or, um, piece on Oscar Isaac talking about episode eight? No. Okay. Um, well, I wanted to bring this up just because, um, it's a, it's a really short little article. It's from the LA times and it's from a couple weeks ago, actually. Um, but, uh, there's a, a few little quotes from him about episode eight that are pretty interesting. Um, they quote that, uh, they quote Lawrence Kasdan and what he had said about episode eight being a weird thing. You know, he said, Ryan Johnson makes weird movies and episode eight is going to be really weird and wonderful in a mm-hmm. weird way. And, uh, the first quote that, that, uh, is in here about star Wars from Oscar Isaac is him saying that, uh, I would agree with Kasdan. Ryan is definitely going to places and investigating things that haven't really been done in the star Wars universe. For me, it's so fun getting to explore different things than I wouldn't have expected in this universe. And then he says, in some ways, it feels like we're making an independent film. Um, certain things we get to play with, this kind of intimacy that we get to find, it's special. It's been really fun. Um, so I just thought that was pretty uh, pretty interesting to hear him say that uh, that the movie has a kind of intimacy you wouldn't expect. And, and uh, you know, it's cool to hear that he's excited about it. And, um, you know, I just just like with that Lawrence Kasdan quote from last year when he said, you know, Ryan Johnson would make a really weird Star Wars movie. Um, you know, hearing this quote from Oscar Isaac, it's it's one of those things where I'm just so curious as to what's weird about it. And I'm so curious as to what mm-hmm. the, the kind of intimacy is that, uh, that uh, he could be referring to. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like um, from what you know from these uh these quotes here like it sounds like an empire strikes back vibe yeah well and which I... when you kind of compare it to a new hope like there is a there's a bit more weirdness there's like a lot more artistry mm-hmm. um i think in just like the the shot composition and everything in empire strikes back compared to a new hope and there is that uh level of intimacy yeah i think it's a different kind of artistry than than the kind in a new hope because i think like Mm -hmm. george lucas is is uh obviously an incredible uh visual storyteller and i think that you know i know you didn't mean this but uh it definitely would not be fair to say that like the shots and and the composition of that movie is not artistic or not like actually like incredibly impressive but Kirshner was known for making these like smaller films and more Mm -hmm. they were more character based right and they were more intimate stories and so you see that in Empire it's definitely a different approach a different kind of filmmaking and it produced what I probably both of us look at as the best Star Wars movie ever right so um, well A New Hope is mine oh okay 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 (laughs) all right well fair enough fair enough Empire is a close second yeah sure 
Uh, I mean, Empire's my favorite, but um, they're both fantastic, obviously. So, uh-huh. but yeah, but 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 and and you know, Kirshner, I think like what he brought to the Empire Strikes Back is incredible, and you know, so to hear Oscar Isaac say that in some ways it feels like they're making an independent movie. Mm-hmm. I love that, and I think that it's so smart that they've chosen the directors that they have, um, at least for you know the at Force least Awakens. For the first two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, episode. Episode nine. Uh, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I'm sure I I you know I, I have a lot of confidence in the people calling the shots at Lucasfilm, and um, I've only seen one Colin Trevorrow movie, and I liked it. So um, uh, I I it's I not that I have of them. it's not that I have a negative outlook on him. I just don't have the same. I don't know. I don't know as much about him and what he'll bring to Star Wars as I. I'm starting to, you know, kind of understand about Ryan Johnson and, um, I don't know, but I'm sure that they've chosen him for a reason. And, you know, if we were recording a podcast, uh, if we were recording an episode of blockade runner in like 1978 or 79, we'd probably be scratching our heads about Richard Marquand directing return of the Jedi as well. Um, cause I don't think he's like the same kind of name as Irvin Kirshner, you know? So course um, some people might look at return of the jedi and say yes you would have been scratching your head and you know for good reason but rightfully so. <laughs> i don't feel yeah, that way. i don't feel yeah. that way i don't feel that way I, but um who oh man um who were like some of the some of the original choices for return of the jedi like wasn't uh yeah i believe spielberg i think spielberg was and david lynch david lynch yes david lynch yeah, yeah. So I, I still want that David Lynch Star Wars movie. Uh hey, it could still happen now. Maybe. Uh, like, give give me give me a, that give me that David Lynch Star Wars story about like Dengar, Bosk or whatever. Like, um, I would like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but obviously, we're all uh, super excited for Episode Eight, and I can't, mm-hmm, I cannot, sure. I can't wait to find out um what they what their plan is for that movie and and uh, what kind of movie it's going to be because right now there's still obviously a lot of uh a lot of mystery about that so but everything i'm hearing sounds really good and um i you know i've never actually seen a ryan johnson movie which is something i should probably do but um some of the episodes of breaking bad that he directed are just incredible so i'm excited um, all right. Well, speaking of the production of these movies, um, another kind of, you know, lighter, maybe quick story to talk about here. And one that's been updated in the last like 24 to 36 hours is, um, the force awakens making of book, which was scheduled to come out, I think in October. And, uh, this is, it is being written by JW Rinsler who put together, authored the incredible making of star wars and then uh making of empire strikes back and making return of the jedi books that came out you know five six years ago something like that Mm -hmm. um i have read the making of star wars by jw rinsler i have not gotten to empire or jedi yet but um i'm that is very much uh something i'm planning on doing soon so uh but the making of star wars is wonderful it's an amazing book i love it you have you have you read that no okay i have not 
it. Um, I, I really want to uh, get those hardcovers, but then um, they're expensive. Mm-hmm. And you and I had a conversation where you actually recommended the the iPad versions. Yeah. Yep. And I I want those hardcovers as well. Um, although, and there's there are soft cover versions too, which are also still really nice. And those are less expensive than the the hardcover ones, which are I think all probably out of print at this point. Um, mm. But I would say no matter what, even if you are going to spend, I think the soft cover ones are like maybe $40 a piece or something like that. Even, oh, okay. even if you're going to spend that to buy those, um, to have a physical copy, which is tempting and something that I might still do. Um, if you have an iPad, I would recommend just reading the, the iPad or, or Kindle version or whatever it is, because um, it's just so convenient and there's there's some really nice um, extra features like audio interviews and there's even like little video clips and stuff in there that uh, obviously you can't get with the, with the uh, hardcover books. And um, I want to say too, uh, I was listening to an interview with J.W. Rensler a couple, maybe a month ago on um, what has become one of my favorite Star Wars podcasts now. And I've talked about it on, on the show before, but uh, it's a show called Blast Points. And um, they did an interview with J.W. Rensler. And I think he was talking about the fact that there's like even uh, additional chapters and updated information. I think he, he mentioned some things that they had gotten, if not incorrect, maybe incomplete in the printed versions that they were able to update on the, um, the digital ones. So, yeah, it's just it's a no brainer, I think, to get the digital ones. If you have a nice method of, of reading those like a, a nice, you know, tablet or something that you can read them on. So um, and those are out and they're like fifteen dollars a piece or something. Um, so, yeah, my plan this summer is to read The Empire Making of and then uh, move on to Jedi. They are huge books, very substantial um, lots there. And so the prospect of a book like that about The Force Awakens is just so, so exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had been listed on Amazon for a long time and then it was pulled and, uh, JW Rinsler on Twitter, uh, he, he doesn't work for Lucasfilm anymore. He worked at Lucasfilm for a number of years. He doesn't work there anymore, but he did during the, the production of the force awakens. And so he's working on the, the book as, as the movie was being made. And, uh, he said, you know, once, once it had been pulled, he basically said he couldn't comment on it and that Lucasfilm would have to comment on it. And uh, it, it looked like the, the book was done, like it was canceled and it wasn't coming out. And uh, I was really bummed about that, um, especially because with The Force Awakens Blu-ray, which we really haven't talked about here on The Blockade Runner, um, you know, the thing I was most excited for was that 60-minute long documentary about The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy that a lot, and I've watched it twice now, and I will continue to watch it, you know, because it's really good, and it's it's just a lot of fun to watch and to see behind the scenes and, and hear people talk about the production of The Force Awakens. But it really is, in my opinion, a very safe promotional kind of little, you know, video. It's not a, a super revealing documentary. Um, and so I was hoping, you know, Hey, I I really want to be able to sort of see behind the scenes and get, get a feel for what the production was like and the kind of creative decisions that were being made in the process and how and why things played out the way they did. And it's not really that kind of documentary. I don't know if you agree with me on that or not, but, um, that's how I saw that. Um, and that's how I saw most of the bonus footage on the force awakens. 
And so, you know, seeing that, that footage and, and seeing that documentary and then, you know, coupled with the apparent, you know, cancellation of this making of the Force Awakens book, I was pretty bummed out. Um, but then I think it was yesterday, um, a couple of outlets posted uh, uh, stories um, that said, basically, it's not canceled. Um, I think I, I I saw the story on JediNews.co.uk, which is uh, obviously a great Star Wars news site. And uh, they were quoting Peter Scretta from Slash Film. Mm-hmm. And uh, all he said was that he had gotten comment, official comment, that um, the book is still happening. It's not been canceled. More details to come. And that's it. So that's great news. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, and, and it's the, uh, the Making of book is being published by Abrams. And Abrams is the company that published what I think are the fantastic Tops trading card collection books. Oh, yes, yes. And I've written about those on our blog, and I have the three that have come out so far, and they are all just such so high quality. So good. Yeah, they're really good. And they have all these little touches and all this little, like, little aspects that are, are you know, pay such close attention to detail. And they're, I just feel like they're really lovingly made. And so, um, Abrams shockingly is, affordable too. Yeah, no, they're great deals. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, those are great books. And I just like, I have a lot of respect for Abrams as a, uh, a publisher based on those. And, um, so, you know, considering JW Rensler's pedigree with the previous making of books and Abrams kind of pedigree for me with these, these, uh, tops books that they've put out recently, I'm, I'm really excited about this, this making of book. So. I have a feeling it's probably delayed. Not going to come out as soon as it was originally intended, um, but uh, good to see that it's not it's not canned completely. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, who knows if there's just like it's an issue of like there's content in there, maybe stuff that was filmed that we may not have seen on screen that could affect perception of Episode Eight, mm-hmm. and we just we need to wait until after episode eight's out before i mean well that would like, be we didn't get them we didn't get the making of a new hope until like 20 something years after that movie came out yeah 30 years or whatever like um i don't know i i feel like a, a making of isn't like i don't feel like we need it within the same year that the film came out like if there's because there could be extra some other stuff that was filmed that or was in the script or whatever that just didn't end up you know i mean jj's been on record multiple times of saying like he had more ideas than than Mm -hmm. actually made it into the movie so if they want to have like the comprehensive portrait of like what the making of this movie is, there may be some things that aren't actually going to show up until episode eight. No, I, I think you're right about that for sure. Um, and that's a good point. I had thought that, uh, and even just when you brought this up, I had thought, you know, well, yeah, it could be that um, they just kind of maybe Disney took a closer look at it or Lucasfilm took a closer look at it and thought, Maybe some information that's in this is a little too 
not that it gives anything away, but it maybe leads people down roads they don't want them led down in terms of ideas and information at this point. So maybe they just thought, well, mm-hmm. we should be, we should, censor's not the right word, but we should um, kind of rein this in a little bit and just kind of edit it and take some things out, which, I mean, I would be fine with that. Um, or I guess if, if they looked at it and thought, well, we want to leave the book as it is, but we just don't want to release it until after episode eight. But that would be a long time. So I don't know. Um, That's okay, though. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. And you're right to say that we, we don't necessarily need the making of book right away. Um, although, I, then again, I don't know. I don't know that I quite agree with that. I think maybe we just we shouldn't expect and, and, and can't get the same kind of making of book right away, you know, like, um, but I think it would be fine to get whatever version we're going to get now and then get another one 20 years from now. You know what I mean? Um, so we'll sure. see. And, sure. and, and with him not being at Lucasfilm anymore, J.W. Rensselaer, it's, it'll be interesting to see what they do, you know, like if they will continue to hire him to write these books, if they will even do making of books for the other two movies in the, in the, mm-hmm. in this new trilogy. Um, I don't know, but, yeah. but even like, like the, the art of force awakens is in some ways a making of book, you know, it's a more focused one but it really does kind of go through the process. And that's what I like, you know, I'm completely fine with them withholding information to protect the stories of the upcoming movies. Right. Um, But it's still fun to be able to see a little bit more uh, into the creative process and kind of understand why uh, choices were made and how they were made. And Mm -hmm. um, it shines uh, a spotlight on some of the, you know, the creative individuals who don't get, as much press or recognition too, which I think is nice. Um, yeah. So I love that stuff. And, you know, I, <laughs> I was hoping with the force awakens Blu-ray to get, you know, 10 hours of behind the scenes footage and <laughs> we got more like one or one and a half. Yeah. Wait, wait for the 4k version. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I am waiting for um, it and I'm excited for it, <laughs> but sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like the art of force awakens, like absolutely incredible book. Like just, beautiful like so in-depth like just wonderful but it it almost feels like a cutting room floor Mm -hmm. of the force awakens because and i mean it's that it's amazing in that way but there's like there's so many like discarded like concepts and stuff in there yeah that uh it i mean it has a lot of value just on its own um and it's just it's interesting in that way but uh yeah i mean i'm i'm excited for this i don't i'm i'm okay with it being delayed i mean i'm glad it's coming out in some form eventually whenever it does but yeah i mean there's i can't afford all the star wars books that exist right now Mm -hmm. so um i'm you know if some things need to wait a year or whatever like i'm totally okay with that yeah yeah that's a fair point um actually i i just saw on twitter earlier this week um that uh, pablo hidalgo um revealed or i think maybe amazon revealed it and he confirmed that um he is working on the visual dictionary for rogue one so i know we both mm-hmm. love the uh, force awakens visual dictionary that's a lot oh, that book's a lot so of fun. good yeah so good so there'll yeah. be another one of those coming out this december so that's exciting but um okay well one last thing i wanted to talk about before we take a quick break and then come back and talk about our kind of primary stories here um 
the Force Awakens um, iTunes version was updated maybe two weeks ago with an extra featurette. Did you catch that? Did you notice? Did you were you able to watch that? I didn't buy it on iTunes. Oh, where did you buy? I I, I oh, bought my right. digital copy on Xbox One. But did you get the? And bl- then I bought the Blu-ray, the Target version. Yeah, but that comes with an iTunes code. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so you can use that. I have not. Um, I've not messed with that at okay. all, actually, because that's the little piece of paper with like mm-hmm. Ray and the sunset. Yes. And everything yeah. in there. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't actually even used that. Okay, fair enough. So it's iTunes. Okay. Well, so uh, there's actually a lot of confusion about this, and I think the way that Disney does their their Blu-ray download codes is really really cool. It's like really great, but um, people don't necessarily understand it so i think they need to do a little bit better job of communicating but yeah there's that download code and disney has an app called disney movies anywhere i think and i i don't use that but um you can use the code there or you can use the code on itunes or i think even if you use it on disney movies anywhere you can connect that to your itunes and then still like have the movie in itunes so um but but yeah, it's basically, it's you get a lot of options in where you can use that code. You can use it on Google, you can use it on iTunes, you can use it on Disney Movies Anywhere. Um, and so that's really nice because yeah, I remember in the past you would get, you know, movies from certain, you know, um, f- you know, film companies and they had their own like site where you would download the movie if you wanted the digital copy, you know, so you'd mm-hmm. have like three or four different competing platforms and you your collection of movies would be spread across them and um the, mm-hmm. the way it works with the disney movies is the code you can use on whatever platform you want basically um so okay. if anybody's got the blu-ray you've got the itunes version um or you have the opportunity to get it anyway and uh yeah they updated it with um with an extra featurette on costume design and it's good it's fine but i think like it's it's just worth mentioning um i guess one just so people know but uh, also, I just I love the idea that they can now continue to add features after the fact. Uh, JJ in an interview had mentioned that maybe they were going to be adding more deleted scenes. Um, I know a lot of us kind of cynically think like, well, sure they will when they put out another version of the movie on Blu-ray and you have to buy it again. Um, but I don't know. Maybe not. I mean, it seems like they've already demonstrated that they're going to update or that they can and 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 will update the digital version you know at no extra cost um so seems to me at least a possibility that we could get more substantial uh, bonus features down the line hmm. i i like the idea of having all that stuff on the blu-ray personally and you know it's kind of a bummer that like there's a deleted scene that's only on the digital version it's not on the blu-ray which I don't really understand the purpose of that because it was obviously done. That's why it's, um, you know, it was on the digital version before the Blu-ray came out. So when they start like putting bonus features in different places or not in every place, uh, I don't love that. But at the yeah, s- but I mean, if they like, I mean, if they put out some more bonus features sometime this summer, and I don't have to buy anything else, and they just show up on my iTunes version of the movie, that's also really cool. So yeah, yeah, I mean whatever form it takes um you know just seeing more seeing more you know looks behind the curtain 
Um, but I don't know. I mean, this is how, like, we've been kind of, you know, dealing with this. Not dealing with it, but, you know, we're used to this as Star Wars fans. I mean, even going back to, like, you know, getting the, the THX VHS mm-hmm. for the first times and, like, those uh, those interviews with, like, George Lucas on those. Or, or were those the special edition VHSs? Which ones had the interviews with him? Um, those were the THX ones, I think. If you're talking about the Leonard Malton interviews, which, yeah, which yeah, were great. Yeah. Those were on the THX VHS tapes. But there were, there was some stuff on the VHS tapes for the special editions, too, that would play that before the movie started. Yeah. Okay. Like, I think it went and into I, certain things that they changed and how, and how they did it technology-wise and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, so, like... We're kind of used to, you know, obviously, like, that's kind of a big joke or whatever with Star Wars is, you know, you, you buy the movies over and over again. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, the multiple iterations of the DVDs and then, like, the, you know, the first Blu-ray set and we'll see what, what happens next. But um, so we're kind of used to this stuff. Um, it's a little weird in, like, the current time because, you know a lot of these like bonus features deleted scenes and whatever like kind of just they end up usually officially on like youtube and stuff um you know like a lot of i don't know how like lucas films and disney um have they put like the deleted scenes up officially no i don't think so and i'm because i'm on the star wars youtube channel like very frequently and there is a lot of great stuff on those channels but Mm -hmm. there's a ton of stuff that's i mean there's i mean most of it is not there you know if you go and look at your star wars blu-ray uh the bonus Mm -hmm. features there is a ton of stuff on those blu-rays and very little of it is actually on youtube you know and okay and and honestly what's frustrating is that there are many bonus features that are on the dvd releases of the star wars movies that are not on the blu-ray and i foolishly i don't know why i did this but i sold my star wars dvds when the blu-rays were coming out i did that too and there's a ton such a bad idea there's a lot of good stuff on those dvds that are not on the blu-rays so i need to go back and buy those which is probably not too expensive at this point i know um and i'm kind of the worst i guess for saying this but i think it's kind of fun to have an excuse to buy the movies again every every couple years you know like three four years like if it's every year, I would get annoyed. But um, I actually yeah. just bought the iTunes version of A New Hope uh, a week or two ago. And it was a little bit of an experiment because I didn't want to like drop the $100 on the digital collection when that came out, mm-hmm. considering like they look better on the Blu-rays I already have than in an iTunes version, you know? So, um, but it is nice to, I guess, to have them in a more portable format, you know, to be able to watch it on an iPad or something or on your phone. But the, mm-hmm. the, the real reason I, I just wanted to see like, how good the extra bonus features were and just kind of to see like what the overall package was like. And um, mm-hmm. the extra f- bonus features, at least on a new hope, it- it's like 10 minutes of footage. It's very short. So it's not really worth buying just for that. But mm-hmm. I have to say this. Um, most of the stuff from the Blu-ray um, for a new hope is there like most of the bonus footage interviews um deleted scenes concept art stuff like that that's on the blu-ray is on the digital version on itunes 
but it is so, so much easier to get to and look at on that digital version than it is on the Blu-ray. I love the Star Wars Blu-rays, but the, uh, you know, the, uh, the saga Blu-ray set, but I detest the menu system on those things. Like you have to go to different planets to look at different like bonus footage. And so like for any given movie, you know, like for a new hope, there's Yavin and then there's the death star. And then there's like Tatooine or something like that, you know, and you have to click. So if you want to see some of the deleted scenes, you have to go to one planet and then go into another sub menu and then click on the, you know what I mean? And it's just like this whole like weird web to the point where with the Blu-ray, Blu-ray, they had to put out like this little pamphlet that showed you where all the, you know, bonus (laughs) features are. And it's kind of a nightmare. And so, yeah. so I got the digital version on iTunes and it's so much easier to navigate and find that stuff. <laughs> it's kind of worth the 20 bucks just to be able to like easily and conveniently watch all that, those deleted scenes and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that's a totally yeah. different topic. Like, you know, but. <laughs> I know, um, recently I, uh, ordered a, dvd version of empire of dreams oh okay uh-huh. which was originally like included in the um in the the trilogy dvd box set right um, the first one like the silver one and i'd sold that because the you know the next generation of dvds came out and then the blu-rays and whatever but um and i know like empire of dreams is on um, I think it's like available officially on YouTube, um, or unofficially. I don't know. People were telling me it was on YouTube, but I was like, I just, I want, I want the DVD. Like, <laughs> um, I don't know. That's like one of my favorite documentaries ever, um, Star Wars or otherwise. <laughs> so, uh, it's nice to have like a, a physical version. And, you know, if they, uh, if they like, release that on blu-ray whatever i would i'd buy it again oh yeah for totally sure fine yeah i yeah i don't know i don't think the whole thing is on the official star wars page they have a bunch of clips from it but uh i don't think it all adds up to the total to the entire documentary uh okay. I, could, I could be wrong about that but I, I don't think it is so but yeah there's a lot of examples of of uh great features and uh, bonus content from different Star Wars releases that are not, you know, all collected in one place. So, to be a completist, you have to probably have a bunch of different, uh, bunch of different versions. So, yeah, I think my uh, my philosophy going forward from this point is like I'm just not going to sell yeah. things anymore. <laughs> like I'm just going to hold on to them, and uh, it it will be good to have like physical versions that can be accessed at any time. Yeah. Um, going forward, because you know, with digital rights management and everything into the future, like things are going to exist on the internet, and then they're not, and licenses will expire, and all this stuff. So I think um, I think I'm sold on just keeping whatever physical media I can. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I'm uh I've even been considering tracking down different VHS versions that I don't have <laughs> uh inexplicably. The, so <laughs> those uh those those can't be too expensive. No, probably not. No. These days. Yeah. <laughs> um so you may as well. All right. Well, let's take a break and then we're going to come back and talk about a few um a few other stories maybe that we'll uh spend a little more time discussing. Good job. Uh, so we'll do that. 
get into a couple of big stories that uh, that we're excited about. And the first one here um, is the recent announcement, and this was part of the um, May 4th Star Wars Day kind of announcements and celebratory uh, news pieces. But um, the, the announcement of the EA uh, studio Respawn, it's Respawn Studios, is that right? Respawn Entertainment. Respawn, yeah. okay, Respawn Entertainment, which is a division of EA, right? Mm-hmm. Um, who is the exclusive, pretty much exclusive um, Star Wars video game rights holder right now. Um, mm-hmm. They announced that Respawn is working on a Star Wars game. And so Respawn is well known for Titanfall, is that correct? Yes, that's the only game they have released so far. Okay. So, um, Respawn is a studio that was kind of um, formed from the ashes of the very messy divorce between um, Infinity Ward, um, the creators of like pretty much the most successful Call of Duty game, the one that brought the series kind of into the uh, place that it is now. Um, They created Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare, um, and then it was all kind of downhill from there (laughs) Um, between um, Infinity Ward and Activision and a lot of the team and, like, the main... um, creative visionaries uh from that game uh there was a very very messy uh lawsuit a few years ago and um anyways a lot of those people ended up um forming this new studio respawn um with under ea as the publisher Mm -hmm. And their first and so far only game was Titanfall, which was a Microsoft exclusive. It was available um, exclusively on Xbox One, Xbox 360, and PC uh, via Origin. Um, I am not a huge multiplayer-focused shooter guy, um, but... Uh, I got, um, I got Titanfall for free, um, via the, uh, EA Access on Xbox One, and, um, I played it a lot with, uh, our friend Tyler, 
and it's uh, actually pretty uh, pretty awesome. Um, it's like what's great about Titanfall is the movement and traversal is very much like a um, it reminds me a lot of like a 3D platformer and also um, Prince of Persia Sands of Time um, with like the wall running and kind of parkour and uh, that sort of thing in there so it like it feels very unique for a um, first person shooter like when you're on foot but then there's also this like mech component to it where you can call in these uh, these giant mechs and uh, pilot them like like Gundams or whatever and um, so yeah I was like really surprised by um, how much fun I had with the game and uh, it's uh, it's it's pretty fantastic like it's a great uh, great approach to the um, kind of competitive first person shooter market which I mean honestly is like ridiculously saturated yeah um these days well so is titanfall first person shooter or third person shooter it is um first person okay but this star wars game was announced as a third person shooter right or third person action shooter game yes a third person um action adventure i believe okay um it was sold as and and then, so it's not it's not being sold right now anyways as like a primarily online game or is it well so we have the respawn angle here um they are the developer here but um the team that's working on it isn't necessarily the titanfall team um yeah because they're is, making a titanfall 2 right now too aren't they they are okay and this team on this um, Star Wars game is led by um, Stig M. Asmussen, um, who was kind of the lead on God of War 3 for uh, PS3. And that, obviously, is, um, if you're familiar with the, the God of War series, that's like a... Um, third-person hack-and-slash action-adventure game. So um, it seems like this is a new team within the Respawn studio um, led by, like, a new person who's, like, not associated with, like, the Call of Duty side of, or heritage or whatever of Respawn. Um, But... God of War um, with Sony Santa Monica. So it's uh, it's interesting. Um, <laughs> well, that is interesting to me because, you know, I heard this news and to be honest with you, when I first heard it, I was like, okay, well, it's another game made by another Star Wars game made by EA, which is fine. But like, you know, they make what I would deem to be I don't know, very, very like triple A mainstream made for like the, you know, broadest possible kind of like modern game fan, you know, um, and that's not really like those aren't. Which is what like Battlefront is. Exactly. And mm-hmm. when I heard that it was made by the 
the developer that did Titanfall, which is an online shooter, I thought like, okay, well, wait, so is that like all we're going to get from Star Wars games now are like, you know, online shooters? And this is like uh-huh. a slightly different variation of like the online shooter, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. um, style of game, like that was not super exciting to me. So the more I'm hearing about it and hearing you talk about, you know, the the, the team lead and, and the fact that he's coming from a different background, um, mm-hmm. that's good to hear. That's exciting. I don't... I'm not like I've never played God of War three, um, but I don't know if that's a game that at first blush would be something that seems super appealing to me. But <laughs> if at least it's you know demonstrating that this is in a different like kind of style than a, a very different kind of style than than something like Battlefront, that's good. Just because I would I would hate to see them, you know, just continuously put out games in the same genre over and over for Star oh, Wars. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, that would be um, that would not be good that would not be healthy for the franchise at all but um but battlefront was like really successful i think right in terms of like financials so (laughs) i could see the uh i could see i could see the it just wouldn't have i I wouldn't be that surprised if if that is what they were doing so i'm glad that they're not you know (laughs) yeah but um i mean and battlefront is it's really polished it's it's pretty good for what it is it's not perfect um but you know i still play it like at least once a month like i played it on may 4th because there was like a bonus and stuff Mm -hmm. um you got like some bonus credits for logging in and so i uh i played a few rounds um but i think um i think titanfall is definitely a um a more interesting game than than battlefront like at its core just because of the variety and like the kind of innovations they bring to even though it's within the same genre like it feels very very different um so like i was kind of on board with that but then also bringing in someone with a someone leading a team from like a completely different background like the the third person um you know hack and slash action adventure game and um and i'm i'm not a huge god of war fan um to be honest (laughs) um but i i feel like this could be like a really good uh you know like a really good team um and you know working on this property instead of like you know I mean, I, I mean, who knows? Maybe it will be like a bald, short, shirtless Jedi um, <laughs> cutting people up like with tons of blood everywhere and yeah. ripping heads off and stuff. Well, and, I'm, uh, I'm probably that, gonna... that that would be very not cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, but what they what these developers bring is like a, I mean, like Titanfall, God of War. Um, you know, the Battlefield series, like, these are all games with, um, like, incredible technological achievements. Um, They're ridiculously polished, and they, you know, they, they are accessible to, um, to a large audience, but they also, you know, have, um, hooks and depth in them that keep people coming back for years and so i mean 
like there's just a lot of pedigree here that's really exciting to me and um and you know we're kind of uh just a few weeks away from e3 and i think that this e3 could be potentially a really exciting one for um for fans of star wars video games um because there's there's a lot we could be seeing this year yeah yeah absolutely i uh i'm i'm looking forward to it for sure i don't have a uh a next gen console right now i don't have a ps4 or an xbox one but um you know the 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 game that has brought me closest to doing that is battlefront and um i'm definitely going to grab that whenever i do end up getting um a ps4 and uh you know hearing about like a really exciting new star wars game at e3 uh, next month could be could be really enticing for me in terms of of pushing me towards getting a new system and i do feel like it's been you know i really enjoyed disney infinity and uh i I thought that was a lot of fun but it's been a while since there's been like a new exciting star wars game that that uh that i've wanted to play or been able to play i guess so um that'd be really fun it'd be really cool to hear about uh about something like that you know next month so yeah, and I know we don't want to spend too much more time on this because we're kind of just guessing at this point, but um, when you look at the studios who are um, who have been announced to be working on Star Wars games, like outside of like DICE who made Battlefront and like obviously Respawn here, um, we, we have Bioware, mm-hmm. which, um, I mean, made like one of my favorite star wars games ever with the original um knights of the old republic uh which is just incredible um so that's really exciting i mean this is also i'm not sure if we'll see their star wars game this year because um they are most likely going to be kind of revealing um the next um you know, the next game in the Mass Effect series, which is also really exciting and a fantastic series. Um, but I think what we will probably see is the um, the Star Wars game from Visceral, who uh, are the developer behind the Dead Space series, which um, first two games in that series are just absolutely fantastic. Um, but they actually have um, a lot of additional talent working on their Star Wars game um, with them, like uh, Amy Hennig, who worked on um, like going way back to like the Legacy of Kane games, and then uh, the Tomb Raider series and Uncharted, um, and also. Um, I've seen uh, Jade Raymond, who was involved with like the creation of the Assassin's Creed series. Um, she's linked to this project as well. Um, so that could be really, really exciting as well, because, um, you know, those are all like Dead Space, Uncharted, Tomb Raider, Legacy of Kane, uh, Assassin's Creed, like those are all games kind of um known for their like single player story experience 
um you know even though like a lot of them have like multiplayer modes and stuff like those seem to be like the more series like focused on um the the cinematic single player experience so um i think that could be more of like what you are looking for in a star wars game john okay all right yeah that'd be cool so i mean we'll see but uh it's 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 an exciting time Mm -hmm. um i mean i think uh i think we were all a little bit apprehensive about this uh this whole ea thing with the star wars video games and you know maybe it will not maybe it'll be good maybe it will not turn out to be ideal but uh i mean it's really cool to see that they are kind of putting um you know some of the most successful and best teams in like western video game development on star wars right now like it's not just like a cash-in afterthought like they are you know having these uh teams like working on star wars games um instead of their like other like super successful franchises so um I think it's. I think it could turn out really cool. I'm really excited to kind of see what uh, what's coming and uh, what we'll see next month at E3. Yeah, absolutely. And part of me is a little bummed that there wasn't like a full on like Force Awakens video game. Um, mm. But then you know you're right. It is good to see and good to hear that they have you know like well established and well respected teams making Star Wars games in a number of different genres. And it's probably best that they're not attached to any specific film or, you know, kind of product because um, seems like a lot of times that's when licensed games run into trouble, right? When they're, they're, uh, they're forced to be kind of released alongside another product and um, you know, licensed, licensed games obviously um, don't have the best reputation for that reason i think when they're they're too closely linked to a specific movie or book or something like that uh obviously mm-hmm. this doesn't does th- it doesn't apply in the case of shadows of the empire for the n64 that logic but you know in most cases right <laughs> so um but so yeah I'm, I'm you know it's it's it is good to see to see that uh ea has has these kind of you know probably seemingly unique di- you know different types of star wars games being made by these uh these well-established studios so yeah and and we'll probably be hearing like you said about at least one of them within a month right so yeah all right hopefully yeah very cool so that was that was one big announcement on may the 4th the other big announcement and the one that like because i had been kind of sitting um near the computer all day thinking like all right any minute now the big you know the big kind of star wars like surprise announcement for Star Wars Day is going to come out, you know, and I didn't expect it to be like anything huge, like a trailer for a movie or anything, but I thought for sure, like they know people are really anticipating Star Wars Day and they know people are, you know, looking forward to that. And and a lot of people are talking about Star Wars on this day. So we'll get something fun. We'll get something exciting. Right. Um, And definitely the, the EA announcement was cool, but the, the one that for me, I was like, all right, well, I'm happy. Like, this is the thing that I'm super excited for. Um, and the thing that 
put a huge smile on my face for the rest of the day was the announcement of Celebration Orlando in 2017. Um, so Star Wars Celebration, obviously, this summer is in London, and that is in July of this year. Um, but uh, but Star Wars Celebration is going to be in Orlando again next year from uh, April 13th to 16th, uh, April 13th to the 16th. And uh, tickets are going to go on sale in a couple of weeks on May 25th. So, um, yeah, I've been to most of the domestic Star Wars celebrations, and I love them. I live for them. They're the best. Super fun. And, um, you know, I kind of had a pretty strong feeling that there would be another celebration next year. And uh, I'm really, really, really excited for this. As am I. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um, Are you going to commit to our listeners uh right now that you're going to be at star wars celebration ryan i had the conversation with my wife tonight okay um and we we agreed that this is something we're going to do and we are actually going to buy our tickets right when they go on sale on i believe may 25th yeah yeah absolutely we are going to uh we're going to buy our tickets right away and then we will figure out the rest of the details later (laughs) that is the way to do it because once you buy that that four-day pass um you will you'll just be committed right i mean you'll yeah you'll figure it out whereas if you Mm -hmm. if you wait to buy the pass then you know other reasons uh, other sort of roadblocks can pop up that you know don't necessarily have to stop you from going but if if you're not committed yet they could you know what i mean so yep Um, but I think too, like, I mean, Star Wars Celebration, I've been to, uh, most of them, like I said, the only one I missed was, uh, Celebration 6, which was in Orlando. Um, but that one was two years after Celebration 5, and there wasn't that much going on with Star Wars at the time, and they chose a really terrible time to do it, um, for me anyway. It was like in August, like right after school had started up again, and that's just Mm. like a really bad, like, it's just hard to to for it because i'm a teacher as you are that's a really hard time to like go on a vacation or go somewhere you know Um, yeah you don't you don't want to and i thought it was really odd because you know star wars celebration is very much a family event right so to have a family event right after kids have gone back to school i thought was kind of a, a strange choice too um so regrettably i did not make it to that one but uh that's the only one i've missed i've been to most of them and and most of them um you know, tickets are still available all pretty much all the way up until the show. Um, like even four day passes, the four day passes would sell out, you know, but, um, for the most part you could still get in. But whereas like with celebration London right now, that thing is sold out completely. And, uh, it actually sold out, you know, far, far ahead of time. Not only the three day passes for, um, celebration London, but individual days sold out. So I just, I don't know. I think that, you know, the venue may be smaller. It's a three-day event instead of a four-day event. I'm not sure it's on the same scale as, say, Celebration Anaheim, which was, you know, massive, the biggest Star Wars celebration yet. But in any case, uh, the fact that the tickets are selling out as quickly as they are for that celebration just makes me feel like, you know, right now Star Wars is really huge and a lot, a lot of people are going to try to go to um, this celebration as well. And I'm sure the tickets aren't going to sell out on the first day or anything, but uh, I don't want to wait around and then have trouble getting a ticket, you know, later on down the road. So 
I would definitely recommend if, if you know, you're going to go, or you think you're, you're pretty sure you're going to be able to go. Um, I definitely think buying tickets right away is a good call. So I will be right there with you, Ryan, buying my, my ticket, um, to celebration Orlando, um, on the 25th. It's going to be really fun. And I think at some point this podcast, the blockade runner, we will do, um, we will do some more in-depth content on Star Wars Celebration as a concept and, and what it's all about and, you know, try to, try to do either an episode of the podcast or some other kind of, you know, blog posts and, and different things that uh, really emphasize our experiences at Star Wars Celebration because Dan and myself have both been to uh, a lot of celebrations and, and uh, our friend Chris, who's been on the podcast a few times, um, have been to a lot of celebrations. And so we have many, many wonderful memories, um, of Star Wars celebration. And it's, it's just one of my favorite things I've ever done. And, uh, I cannot wait for Star Wars celebration. Yeah. Especially in a year before like a numbered entry. Oh yeah. It's going to be so exciting. (laughs) It really is. And you know what? That's, that's, that's absolutely the case. Um, the first three celebrations, which happened as the prequels were coming out, were so, so exciting because they all, you know, happened within a month of their their kind of like respective prequel being released. So the excitement in the air was just like, it was so strong because, you know, um, you were finding out information and there was rumors and there were people talking and there was a lot of... Um, merchandise that you saw for the first time and had access to for the first time that was related to these new movies. And I know that, um, you know, Celebration Orlando next year is what, eight months before episode eight comes out. So it is, you know, still quite, quite a ways away, but it will be shortly after Rogue One. So you figure there'll be some really nice like Rogue One panels and Rogue One events because there will be no need to keep things under wraps anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, Celebration Anaheim was was great in in the emphasis it placed on the Force Awakens, but that movie was still and and the just the characters and the world and everything was still you know very much under wraps in April of last year, um and and I remember going to Celebration One and there was just Phantom Menace art and characters and images and promotional items everywhere. I mean it was like. It, it was like a Phantom Menace convention, you know, and there was a lot of classic <laughs> trilogy stuff too, of course, but there was just huge, I mean, there was these giant blow up Pepsi cans with Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi on them, like 20 feet tall outside the convention and, um, huge <laughs> banners and stuff. And, and that was, that. I mean, that was worth the price of admission right there <laughs> were those inflatable <laughs> Pepsi cans. Um, but no, it just, it was like, you felt immersed in in that movie when you were at that celebration. Uh-huh. And that was only, you know, more so the case with episode two and three, uh, last year with, with celebration in Anaheim, it didn't feel that way with the force awakens. Um, they just were keeping their cards too close to the deck. If that's the correct expression. Chest. Chest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I guess cards go in a deck. So yeah, but anyway, um, it was just they weren't ready to like share that much <laughs> the, about the. The four deck seconds. was still sealed. The cards had not <laughs> been like re- revealed. You had no idea if you were getting like jokers or aces. What. Uh, <laughs> or these were just like Uno cards. Like who knew, well, knew what was even in that deck uh, at that point? I wouldn't go that far because they did have some great stuff. Like that's when we found out that there was a resistance in a first order. Uh, that's when we got that amazing first real trailer for the Force Awakens with dialogue oh, and stuff yeah. like that. That was at uh, that was at Celebration last year, and there was the costume room, which I didn't even get to go in because the lines were crazy and I couldn't get into it. But um, so there was some good. I mean, and, and there was the whole panel with jj and you know mark hamill and and uh lots of people involved with with force awakens so it's bb8 rolled out on stage there was plenty of force awakens going on but it's just i feel like with celebration orlando because we already know finn and ray and kylo ren and we know these characters and we know the world and we know Mm -hmm. we have a whole movie that's that's come out in that time frame right in that trilogy Mm -hmm. so i feel like they can do a lot more with this era of star wars and with this trilogy and um obviously they're not going to reveal very much about episode eight but they can talk a lot about those characters and they can do a lot with the force awakens and um they can do a lot with episode eight i think that they couldn't do last at last year's celebration with the force awakens just because there was nothing established yet you know but uh now that there is so much established about this this new kind of cast of characters then i think we'll get a lot more i would expect uh that uh, it's it's likely that a lot of cast members from this new trilogy will be at Star Wars Celebration next year, and that wasn't the case in Anaheim. I just don't think they really wanted much access to those people because they just wanted to keep everything so under wraps, you know? And that mm-hmm. it could be the case again next time, but I think, you know, much more likely we'll we'll get to see um, and interact with, uh, with, with some of the, the new cast and crew and things like that, so... Anyway, um, it is going to be amazing, and I hope um, everybody listening will join us there at uh, at Star Wars Celebration because we are definitely going to be there. And it's um, I I can't overemphasize how excited I am for Celebration. It's just the best thing ever. So can't wait. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing, Ryan, just to sort of wrap up here, last kind of big story. Another thing I can't wait for, and my fingers are crossed that I'm actually going to get it. <laughs> is the um, George Lucas Museum of Narrative Arts in Chicago, Illinois, which is um, a little over an hour from where I live and a place that I will visit all the time, um, every time when it is hopefully built. But um, I'm sure you've been been following at least a little bit the drama uh, surrounding the construction and creation of this George Lucas Museum of Narrative Arts Um it uh it chicago was chosen by george lucas to host the museum and um they were close to getting to the point to where they could break ground on the museum i think that was actually scheduled uh or they were hoping to do that this spring but it has been uh it has been held up by a a special interest group called friends of the parks in chicago that is uh their mission is to protect um open space and green space in Chicago, uh, specifically the lakefront area. And they do not want the museum being built and they have been able to stop it from happening so far. Um, and that's been going on for, a, <sighs> <laughs> that's been going on for a long, long time, but there was some crazy stuff happening 
uh, this week with the museum. And uh, it's actually started with what seemed like a good sign from this organization, Friends of the Park, because they put out a press release saying that they were going to have a stay of their lawsuit, um, which meant that they weren't dropping it, but that they were kind of like backing off a little bit so that they could maybe work on a compromise, uh, or at least that's what it seemed like to me. So they released that that press release, and then like within less than a day, basically announced that they were not willing to entertain the idea of the museum being anywhere on the lakefront. Because um, what the city had decided was, and, and I've, you're more familiar with McCormick Place than I am, because um, I think you were there recently for C2E2, right? Yes, yep. And so McCormick, Pla- uh, McCormick Place is on the lake, right? It's a little bit south of where um, they're hoping to build the, the, the Lucas Museum. But there's a number of buildings. It's like a complex, right, McCormick Place? Mm-hmm. So one of those buildings, um, which is not used as much and is older or something, they, the city offered, I think, basically to tear that down and to build the, the Lucas Museum where it was. So not taking land that is currently green or empty or open or anything like that and putting something new on it. They were going to take mm-hmm. a spot that has a building on it, knock that building down and put up another building. And this group, Friends of the Park, which is supposed to be protecting green space or something like that, is saying, no, we're, we're going to stop you from doing that as well, um, which is crazy. And, you know, after they said that, uh, Melody Hobson, who is George Lucas's wife, um, came out in the press and said, well, we're investigating other cities and we're looking at taking the museum somewhere else because this is just too frustrating and um, we want this thing to happen. And I think, I, I can't remember if uh, if Melody Hobson said this or this is just what uh, you know people around George are, are saying, but he wants to make sure that this museum is built and, and uh, is up and running and gets started before he dies. And hopefully that'll be many, many years from now. But um <laughs> But he, he doesn't want to sit around and, and be embroiled in decades-long legal battles to, to get this museum built. Yeah. So uh, it's just really frustrating. There was a rally held um, outside of the Friends of the Park um, offices this week. And there is a cool website um, that you can go check out called buildlucas.com. And they have a little video on there, which I would encourage everybody to watch because it's it's pretty cool, um, that features people talking about why they want the Lucas Museum of Narrative Art in Chicago. And uh, there is um, a hashtag, of course, Build Lucas, which um, the site features tweets that that uh, are being posted with that, that hashtag. And, um, you know, it's just uh, I think the, the purpose of the, of the site is to uh, highlight the reasons that the George Lucas Museum of Narrative Arts would be fantastic in Chicago and to demonstrate that um, there's a lot of people that really want it, you know, and I think there's far, far, far more people that want the museum in Chicago than don't. And uh, I think it would be, it would be a really terrible missed opportunity if we lose the museum. So if you're listening in another part of the country and you're thinking like, hey man, maybe it'll come to my city, then uh, <laughs> I can understand that. And if it leaves Chicago, I hope it goes to yours. But uh, Chicago is a great city and it's a great it's a great location for something like this too because it's right in the center of the country, you know? And so I think it'd be, I don't know. I guess it's, if you live on the West Coast, you live on the East Coast, it's still going to be tough to get there. But um, a central location you're, you're like that. You're a little biased. Oh, I'm extremely biased. Of course, I want it here, you know? I mean, look. Yeah. Now, all the other Star Wars stuff is in is in California, right? 
And and honestly, I mean, truthfully yeah. told, the museum probably belongs in San Francisco, but San Francisco turned it away. So now I want it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's not yep. about, well, okay, I'm very biased and it is about what I want, but it's about what George Lucas wants, right? And he wants it in Chicago and he's going to pay for this museum. And for some reason, people are trying to push it out of out of Chicago and it's it's uh it's really frustrating. Yeah. And so I mean this is an interesting dilemma, I think. Um because you know, um I think um green space in cities is important. Mm-hmm. I think parks and protecting um natural land is important especially in cities where it is so limited and where you know corporate interests have so much pull um i think it is important to protect this stuff for sure um but um you know even just the technicalities and logistical stuff aside, like I also think um, arts and culture are <laughs> very important in cities as well. Um, and that in museums, um, I mean, it's, and it's really hard to, you know, it's, it's hard to put a value on anything because like, you know, there, there needs to be like a balance between like, nature and art and culture and all this stuff like i mean you you hope that in these mass population centers that people can have access to all of it um to you know kind of fulfill themselves and their children and everything um this is a this is a very very (laughs) weird situation and um and i'm i'm not going to pretend to um, completely understand everything that's going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I see the the complexities and the contradictions and everything that's going on here. Um, but I mean, I hope that um, everyone involved is looking out for what's best for the city and not just um weird like special interest things Mm -hmm. um and i mean the idea of like you know if the museum is really going to end up in 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 a lesser used mccormick building or that space like or a parking lot or whatever like I don't really see what the problem is because there are like I mean if you go to (laughs) um this part the lakefront and Lakeshore Drive and like this area in Chicago there are um there's a lot of like wastes of space Mm -hmm. (laughs) um from like uh you know just shopping and like just corporate crap that exists like everywhere else and uh is not really contributing to the art or culture or beautification of chicago 
Um, there's a mostly that, honestly, <laughs> in this space. Um, so I think that like this museum and I mean obviously we're biased um we we love we love George as a human and as an artist um and so like we we want this to exist but uh um you know I mean I think that there's value to it um for the city and for you know um people coming into the city like I think it will be um good for like the economy and tourism and um honestly it is like a a step above like most of what's down in that area Mm -hmm. so I mean I obviously like I don't think it should like cut into the very small amount of like green area that still exists mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. um in like a significant way but um i mean if we can find a way to like repurpose what's already there like i think that's fantastic yeah and the site that the original site and the one that you know everybody had settled on until this group friends of the park got involved and uh, tried to you know stop the construction of this museum is like overflow parking for I think Soldier Field and you know the uh, the different attractions in, in that area and it's like a big gravel parking lot basically so it, it's not you know I think like mm-hmm. you hear the the name Friends of the Park and you hear that they're trying to preserve green space and you think oh well, there's probably this like beautiful untouched you know green area. And, you know, like now this, you know, giant kind of, I, I don't know, group of politicians and, you know, businessmen and, and uh, uh, people like that are going to come in and build this, you know, giant uh, kind of like, I don't know, this giant building like on top of this park, you know, <laughs> and then we're going to lose this park. And like, that's this just not... giant Star Wars gift shop. Yeah, yeah, right. But it's uh-huh. just, it's just not the case because... Well, first off, like, yeah, I mean, if anybody thinks it's going to be a giant Star Wars gift shop, that's absolutely not the case. I mean, it's a museum. The, the I think the purpose of the museum is not to be the Star Wars museum. It's to be a narrative mm-hmm. art museum. And George Lucas has an incredible collection of paintings and uh, movie posters. And, you know, he I think he wants to focus on how um, stories can be told through visual mediums. And so I think that's going to be really cool, you know, and there will be some cool Star Wars stuff there for sure. But there's going to be a lot of other great mm-hmm. things, too. And, but, but no, it's just not, it's not, it is not a situation where there's this like pristine, beautiful, untouched land down there and they're going to turn it into just, you know, development. I think that the land is not being used and it seems like this group just does not want anything built down there. They just feel like, um, no matter what, there shouldn't be anything built in that area. It should just be left open. And if that let being left open means a parking lot and something that people don't use, that's better than something that, you know, would be a great gift to the city of Chicago and would create lots of jobs and tourism. Um, and I just think that's a really, uh, confusing and illogical perspective, but it seems to be the one they have. So I don't know the more, the more I read about this and the more I've, because I've been following it, obviously, um, since it it's first started being talked about. Because I am biased, like you said, and I really want it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
it just seems more and more that like it doesn't really matter what is being built or why it's being built or who's building it or how good it will be for the city. It just seems like they've decided like, well, our principle is nothing should be built down there anywhere, no matter how useful or, you know, unused the land is, um, no matter what purpose the, the construction would have or what it would bring to the city. Like if there's not something there, we don't want anything there. And that's just the end of the story, you know? And I think that's crazy. Um, but like, even in the case of, of, uh, of the McCormick center, um, or the McCormick place building that would be pulled down and replaced, they don't even want that. And I believe that plan includes like 12 acres of, of, uh, open space. And George Lucas is somebody who, you know, um, this is the guy that built Skywalker ranch. Right. And, uh, he, he really is somebody who values, I think, like natural space and, and open space. And I, I just can't imagine him building some horrible <laughs> structure anyway. You know, it looks really nice um, from the concept art and, and it shows uh, plenty of open space around it. And I think it would just be something that would be, it would probably only add to that to that area down by the lake. Uh, I don't think it would, would harm it in any way, so... So we'll see what happens. I mean, they're talking about going mm-hmm. somewhere else, and and they very well may. But um, I really hope it uh, the museum is able to be built in Chicago. And I would yeah. I would, you know, recommend anybody go check out the Build Lucas site. I don't know who put that site up. Uh, there's no inf- I don't see any information on it anywhere uh, indicating mm-hmm. like who it's from. I'm assuming it's just you know some people who like me really want this thing to show up in um chicago but it could be you know a different special interest group that put this site together and you know <laughs> i don't know what it is so i, I guess i can't vouch yeah. for build lucas but um from what i can tell it looks pretty cool so um i don't know my fingers are crossed and uh if it gets built i look forward to seeing all of you guys there at the lucas museum when that opens up and Star Wars land is going to be on the East coast and the West coast. You know, those parks are going to be there. We need this museum in Chicago. (laughs) So, and if, you know, if you can't, if you can't figure out this, uh, this whole Chicago thing, we have plenty of, plenty of land in the Colorado, in the Rocky mountains. Yeah. 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 There's a lot, a lot of open spaces and, Mm -hmm. uh, stuff in the the greater denver area yeah we'll just kind of bring this conversation full circle the first star wars museum i went to was at the wings over the rockies air museum in denver colorado Mm -hmm. so uh they could always tear that down and just build you know Uh, the lucas museum there don't tear that down Uh, wings over the rockies is pretty i'm kidding i know i'm sure it is hey do they still have the inflatable pepsi cans with qui-gon jinn there or do they they do not but they do have a a pod racer okay all right and, and an X wing, yeah, X wing. They right? have an X wing, yeah, and the uh, the uh, Harrison Ford Theater. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well known uh, and respected pilot himself, right? So. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Uh, all right. Well, I think that is going to do it for this episode of the Blockade Runner. So, um, all news this time, but lots to talk about and. Um, lots of good stuff and just one infuriating story there at the end. So, um, <laughs> hopefully when we come back in a couple of weeks with a new episode of the blockade runner, we will have news that, uh, friends of the park has gone somewhere else and, uh, left this Lucas museum alone. And, um, 
that it's going to happen in Chicago. But uh, we. Mm. Wow, this is like a this is a total cliffhanger episode. This is like <laughs> the the Empire Strikes Back uh, of our our tenure. You know here what? On this podcast. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. Huh. So I feel like I'm. Uh, I feel like I'm I'm like Luke. Recently lost my hand, and I'm just looking out that window, waiting to see what's going to happen. I guess it's not all that bad, really. But uh, I want this Lucas I'm museum. I'm actually frozen in carbonite right now, <laughs> and it is terrible. <laughs> You're supposed to be thawing out in Denver right now. I think. How's the weather there? Uh, it's it's not great. Oh, really? It's a, li- it's a little it's a little carbonite-y. Oh, okay. All right. We we had a really good week. Um no no blizzards. <laughs> um and then uh it uh, it really it really dropped this weekend. Wow. Um so. Okay. All right. Well, um do you judge the weather based on the Star Wars uh app? Do you use that like uh, is it going to be a Tatooine day today, an Endor uh, day, it's, it's a, a little, day? It's a little uh, Naboo-y. Oh, well, that's nice. Naboo is beautiful. Uh, um, they, they have pretty cold nights. Oh. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I, I guess I'm not. No, <laughs> it actually, well, right now, um, it feels Did you like make Alderaan. That up? You just made that according, up, right? according to uh, According to the app, it feels like Alderaan, so... Oh. I guess this is goodbye. <laughs> I, I've been reading about Alderaan in Bloodline. We were going to mention that we're both reading Bloodline, Oof. right? Oof. Speaking of cliffhangers, um, <laughs> we'll come back and update you on our progress on Bloodline. Yeah, on the please, next episode, if but... you are listening to this podcast, uh, get on that. On, on Star Wars Bloodline by Claudia Gray. It's great. Yeah. What chapter are you on, Ryan? Um, I'm on, I believe, chapter six. Okay. All right, very good. I'm on chapter twelve, and it's uh, it's just getting better as we go here. So, yeah, uh, it is fantastic. Yeah, it's great. So definitely check that out. All right, well, we're gonna sign off now. Um, you can, as always, catch up with us on the Blockade Runner Podcast.com. You can email us at Blockade Runner Podcast at gmail.com, and we are on Twitter at Blockade Run. We're also on Instagram and YouTube. You can find links to those on our blog. Um, and Ryan, you are on Twitter at Braun Dwarf. Braun Dwarf, uh, B-R-A-W-N-D-W-A-R-F. All right, very good. And um, we will be back soon with another episode. And uh, until then, may the force be with you. And happy Star Wars Day. <laughs>